I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Welcome. So glad you are here with us at the University Church this Sabbath as we continue our series on the Ten Commandments, Ten, today, Respect. Some of you might actually, if you're kind of looking carefully, notice that that could actually even be each letter separated with a space in between. Yeah, R-E-S-P-E-C-T in certain circles would be followed by some sort of antiphonal response, find out what it means to me, right? Others of us don't know what, what in the world are you talking about if we're not familiar with Aretha Franklin's R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Today, respect, as we get into the fifth commandment, we are looking at each commandment through the eyes of Jesus, through the words of Jesus. Uh, and that might be surprising to you, although we have kind of, kind of wrestled around with Scripture and notice that, in fact, it is Jesus who gives these words to begin with. Not even first by his finger, but by his voice in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, the same Jesus who would say to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, before Moses was, I am. I am the I am, the one who on that mountaintop or who with Moses would speak these commandments, would pen them with my own finger. That's my voice. So R-E-S-P-E-C-T find out what that means to me. We're going to find out actually a little bit more about what it means to God and why he would challenge us this way. Could it be that embedded in the very heart of the Ten Commandments is a single word, a cue, a clue to all Ten Commandments? I think we're going to find something here. But again, in the words of Aretha Franklin, if you knew that song, one of the phrases is, all I'm asking for is a little respect. And as we say the word respect, you might be thinking about what you wish others gave to you, but we're going to find out a little bit more deeply what it means to God. So let's pray. Father, be with us right here, no matter what we've come from, no matter how busy, no matter how difficult or how successful, we pray that you would be right here with us through the promise of your Holy Spirit's presence. Love us well. Spend yourself on us, but receive the gift of our worship, please, dear God. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Going to the good old King James Version in this, the 12th verse, our fifth commandment, says it this way. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There are a lot of these and thys in these commandments in the good old King James. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's right, Michael. Honor your mother and your father, right? And you and I, we might, uh, we might have grown up with this a little bit and understood that part of what is being shared with us, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6, for instance, children, obey your parents. And sometimes we think about this idea of honoring our father and mother in part that we are to give respect to those who deserve respect. We are to give respect to those who are over us, Right? By the way, we could go any number of directions here because questions start 
coming to mind? What about parents who maybe they don't deserve respect? What about in situations of abuse? I love that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And whether it be that the parents ought be in the Lord or that our obedience ought always be in the Lord, it sure changes what it would seem like without that. And of course, there are the admonitions a few verses later that parents, fathers, don't unnecessarily frustrate your children. There's a respect that goes both ways down that street, potentially. But I'm going to suggest to you, as we dig around in Scripture, as we listen for the voice who would say, you have heard it said, but I say, you have heard it said, honor your father and your mother, but I say, which I think, just again, a little side note, isn't it fascinating that Jesus would say, you have heard it said, and then he would quote himself. Could have just as easily said, you've heard me say, honor your father and your mother, but I say. So when, as we hear that, but I say, it's not to say, for instance, in Matthew chapter five, suddenly Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't murder. I say, go for it. No, 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 no. It's Jesus saying, I- I'm worried that you've missed something deeply important. There is a kernel in here that maybe gives bigger life to all of this truth. I have come that the law not be done away with, but it be filled full. And this, the fifth commandment as well. Fascinatingly, we're going to bounce to a couple of different places here in the book of Mark. And as we do, we're going to notice a theme that is going on at the back end of Christ's ministry on this planet before his crucifixion. Jesus had done an awful lot of healing and he had spoken some amazing words where others would say that no one ever spoke like this before. Crowds would be following him, but that's, that's all fine. <coughs> but the leaders in Israel, they were not fans of Jesus, right? So you have this weird dynamic that he's always surrounded by people looking to be healed or listening to his words and close by there are always the religious leaders the Pharisees and the Sadducees that's like saying the Democrats and the Republicans had banded together because they had a common enemy and it was Jesus and they would set traps repeatedly they would ask questions hoping to trip him up in a way that would cause the people to turn on him because if the people would turn, they would have some space between Jesus and the people and they could capture him and they planned, it was not a secret, to kill him. This stretch of time. One particular day, a lawyer is sent forward again, continually trying to get Jesus to say something that would cause him to lose face with the public. And maybe they would step back. Maybe they would move back. Maybe they would fall away. And we can deal with this guy. So the question comes, tell us, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Hoping to engage Jesus in the sort of way that they could trick and trap him. And Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, well, let me tell you, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he is quoting from scripture in the Old Testament as he says this. But before they can stop, 
Before they could spring any kind of trap, Jesus says, and there's a second that's like it. And the wording, like it, he might as well said, you know what, I can't help but say this too. You said, what's the greatest commandment? And I'm telling you, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. And there's another way to talk about this. There is something equal to it. So it might as well go together as one. The second is like it. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. And anyone who has spent time in scripture and has looked at the Ten Commandments has realized in this moment that while they have asked him what is the greatest commandment, he has essentially said the Ten Commandments. For all the commandments are wrapped up in those two parts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So interestingly, right here, first four commandments, as you've probably realized, all target this notion of loving God with all of our heart, having only one God, and actually having the fullness of that God in our lives, and to respond to his invitation of worship. And then at the fifth commandment, like a hinge drops down these sets of, this set of commandments, these admonitions, these, I'm gonna to suggest to you, promises about how we behave towards our neighbor. And right in the middle, there with the fifth commandment, is a singular word that I'd like to look at. And I wonder if it might not be a key to how we could hear Jesus speak into every single one of the commandments. Well, again, I'd like to take you to Mark, and Mark chapter 7 in specific for this next story. Like I say, this is right around the Passover time that Jesus has decided not to go publicly to a place where he has all these enemies that are seeking to kill him, but wherever he is, throngs surround him. And so the Pharisees have decided we're gonna try to set a trap for him right there where he is. We're going to him. He won't come here to us. We're going to go to him. And so we read in the first and second verses, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem, they gathered around Jesus and they saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is unwashed. As soon as you see that there are these quotation, we got, have you ever had somebody say something to you and then give it this? And what does that mean? It means it's not just this, it's, hmm they had unclean hands. It's not that their hands were just kind of dirty with dirt from the soil, it's that they were unclean. What are we talking about here? Over time, and maybe fed by the typical human desire, have you ever had anybody say to you, well, just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Don't make it cagey, don't make me have to think about it, give me the rule. Frankly, often when we do hear the rule, we're not that fond of that either. But over time, to help the people, actually it became more and more to help oneself. The leadership, the spiritual leadership of the Hebrew nation had added rule after rule and categories of rules and a specialized category, one of the most intricate, intricate, easy to break, problematic sections of their rule following that actually dwarfed the Ten Commandments and consumed people's minds to figure out what am I supposed to be even doing here and now 
was the idea, the notion of being unclean versus being clean. That you had to be clean enough to be in the presence of God. God was not interested in being near the unclean. And so Jesus is doing something extraordinarily controversial when he ever touches a person who is sick. A person who is blind, a leper? Jesus says, roll away the stone. He is close enough to that what will be open grave that he is now ceremonially unclean. When John writes that Jesus had to go through Samaria where he's gonna meet a woman at the well, he had to not go through Samaria by all of these rules. He was making himself unclean repeatedly, spent almost the entirety of his earthly ministry unclean. The rules that man had made, made God unclean. And here Jesus is. His disciples aren't just, it's not that they just are not being sanitary. That's not the point here. The point here is that they were not following the rules that we made. And so, because again, Their deep hope is, oh, if we could find a way to drive a wedge between the people and Jesus, we can nab him, we can kill him, we can get rid of this situation. Problem is, he's way too popular. I mean, we can't get it done. Ah, here's a perfect situation. Not only had spiritual leadership created an environment where the rules were so detailed, so extreme, almost impossible to follow, but embedded in this whole practice notion and culture was that if you found someone unclean, it was actually a high um, moral value to expose them and to tear them down publicly. Yeah, it's not just that person that you watched horribly tear somebody down publicly recently. It's, it's, it's been going on quite a long time time. So they were eating food with hands that were not ceremonially washed through the rituals and traditions that had been set up for this purpose. And the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they do this ceremony, and there are many steps to it. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles and what you eat out of, drink out of, all the order of everything. If we can find a... Following God in this kind of cultural milieu, following God is all about trying desperately to get from one side to the other side of an impossible minefield. Oh, that we, Christ followers, would not be participants in laying the mines that would prohibit someone in need of their savior from connecting with him. But that was the circumstance, that was the situation. And so, the Pharisees, teachers of the law, turn to Jesus, and there's an I gotcha in it, for sure. We, <laughs> we so have you now. 
The Pharisees and the teachers ask, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? There are all of these things that have been put into place. And by the way, we could even just take the fifth commandment. Why do you and your disciples not honor our fathers? Here. What is up with this? Jesus. And as everyone tunes in, listens in, Jesus turns to another Old Testament scripture in Isaiah and he says these words, quoting it, these people... They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. And they worship me in vain. Jesus will go on in the verses to come to talk about what makes a person clean or unclean. And it harkens back to his Matthew chapter five conversation where he says, look, you guys read the law and you think about all these things that happen out here and that can be indicators of what's going on in here, but where you might be unclean is in here. He will say to these Pharisees, you know, you're, you're, you're like a, a, a tomb in which dead bodies are all that could be found, but we painted it nicely on the outside. And so Jesus would say, you've heard me say, you should not murder. This is our next commandment. But I say, but I say, it's in the heart where the damage gets done. Or where the healing occurs. So honor yeah, you can talk about the rituals and each little tradition, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's in the heart where uncleanness resides. You've got a fine way, he says, of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Is it possible that it is a natural pitfall of God followers to begin to create things that aren't God to set up as little gods. It can be our forms of music, it can be our dress, it could be our way of talking, it could be any number of things. And by the way, they could be just perfectly fine, they just don't deserve to be our God. Could it be that we struggle with setting tradition as our God instead of God as our God. As those, maybe it's just them. You have a fine way, Jesus would say, of taking the commands, taking the challenges, taking the promises, taking my character and twisting it in the favor of your tradition. How so, Jesus? Well, Jesus turns to the fifth commandment and uses it as an example. You've probably heard about this, whether you understand what's going on here or not. Hopefully you will by the time we're done. But in the next few verses, Jesus says, well, see, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. That's an extension of the result and the response that goes now into the law as expounded upon. And there are going to be all sorts of little rules that they will create. But there are rules upon rules and rules that clash with rules and we get all sorts of confused. You say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban. 
that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. This is just an example. What is Jesus even talking about here? I don't know, anybody here earlier this week at some point just um, proclaim Korban? Anybody? What is that? Again, not always born of malice, but tradition unfolds and rules beget more rules. And what had happened over time is that, in fact, a person could set aside, we do this actually sometimes ourselves, could set aside some of their belongings as a gift to the temple, a gift to ministry. Now, in that moment, there is an agreement that is being made that this gift, though it stays with me, my home, it is my home until I die, then it is yours. It is yours even now, but I continue to maintain it and live in it, right? But I am essentially bequeathing this item to the work of God. Great idea, wonderful sentiment. But what Jesus is pointing out is You talk about being unclean because of not having done something ceremonially. Let let me talk to you about what I have said in this commandment that we honor our father and mother. If you think, by the way, young Pharisee, (laughs) that all I'm saying is learn to be obedient to those who have power over you, no, no, guess what? I have flipped this now, Jesus has flipped this now to the powerless. For some of us to be asked, hey, would you please honor your mother, that's an easy thing to do. Because I love my mother. She's a wonderful woman. Speaking of her in the present tense, some, most of you know my mom passed away in 2016, but it, it's no, no problem to ask me to honor my mother or my father. They've been honorable to me. But what is happening in this situation is, in that culture, in that day, a person lost their value when they could no longer financially care for themselves. They lost their value when they could no longer pursue their career. I know there are some either in this room or listening to my voice right now that have been struggling with this sense that because they have retired from the thing that they were so much so they were that, that they feel like maybe they've lost their value. But in that day, there wasn't so much. Your retirement plan was your family. And what the spiritual leaders and hard-hearted followers of God had collaborated in doing was finding a loophole so that I don't have to take care of my family. Not only do I not have to, I can't. I'm sorry. Because this home is no longer mine. It's been given to the cause of God. I'm just taking care of it for them. Unless you think this is a stretch and nobody would even think this way, understand that in this culture of the day of Jesus and even far more back when Jesus first said these words, honor your father and your mother, the cultural understanding was that when you got older, you lost your value. And as the Israelites leave Egypt and they're surrounded by all sorts of neighboring countries that they're gonna wind their way through, battle with some, the prevailing sense of what happens when a person got older is that you send them out to the desert to die. 
that they've lost their value. Of course, you know in these hierarchies, children were not seen as actual human beings yet. Women were a class well below normal, full humanity. If you uh, were infirmed or born with any challenges, you were seen as not fully a person. And so there were all these hierarchies upon which you can stand and look down at someone else. And Jesus has picked in the Ten Commandments a, a, a group of individuals that typically would be looked down upon. Praise God for those of us who understand the incredible gift those of us in our senior years provide for families and our community. But it's not always well felt nor always honored. And Jesus is saying something quite incredible here. He's saying you have figured out ways to trash the Ten Commandments while living up to your customs and your rules. And he says it goes all the way back to the heart of things. He'll say it this way, from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. If you want to break the Sabbath, you can do it in here with nobody knowing it. If you want to worship another God, you do it in here. Often it comes out here, but where the unclean part is, is in here. And so, respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. What does that mean to you? In the midst of it all, God has a challenge for you and for me. Honor thy father and thy mother. In good old King James, there is a word that is translated here, honor. This word is a fascinating word, and I believe it is the word of the Ten Commandments, that it could be used to speak into Commandment 1, Commandment 9, all the way throughout. It's found right here. Perfect place for it, a key right in the center, going both ways to the first four and the last six. It's a word that has a couple of derivatives, kaved, kavad, or kavod. Kavod often translate, translated the glory of. So that when we talk about the glory of God, it's this idea of a respect for who God really is. But it's mentioned here, honor, respect, your father, your mother. Jesus, in these words, has picked out some group that could be treated as lesser than, not just as obey your parents because they've got authority over you. In fact, the root idea of kavad is to add weight to something that doesn't have as much weight as you do. Honor. To strike you that in the world around us we have lost a sense of respect. And before you join me too quickly, because I, <laughs> I'm right there with you, man, this younger generation, man, that political party, oh my goodness, people who use that particular online platform, oh, have you heard about? Mm. And in 
moments, I build brick by brick a platform for myself to perch upon and look down at the other as lower than me. Is it possible to look down on people who have more authority than you? Of course. You can feel like you're being looked down on because you don't have as much money and because you don't have the degree and because you're of the wrong gender or because you're of that. You just fill in the gap. But here's the interesting truth. You can look down on people because they have more money than you do. You can look down on somebody because they have more power than you do. Is it possible to look down on the President of the United States? Duh. And this commandment says, my people respect and honor. If you want to know if a person honors, don't look at the place where they are most fond of another. Don't look at the place where they have no choice because that person's in clear authority over them. Look at the place where they have authority or prestige or advantage or more weight than another. Do they honor when they're not being honored back? Honor is not something you earn. Honor is not something you can grasp. Yeah, all I want is a little respect. Guess what? You can never get respect by demanding it. Another tiny little side note, if you wonder about how respect is generated, the only way I have ever witnessed, and it seems to be what the scriptures say, the only generator for respect is giving respect. And it's not always a guarantee that it will grow respect in another person. So Jesus says, these 10 commandments, you wanna talk about covetousness, you wanna talk about adultery, you wanna talk about idols, you wanna, guess what? It's all about honor, respect. And adding weight to someone who has less than you do. Hmm. The Aramaic takes the wording here and actually using the same notion of the difference in the weight between two different people and flips it to say another understanding of this idea of honor, of respect, of kavod, kavod is this notion that somebody over here is struggling over under the weight of something that you could relieve. So if you want to know, Jesus might say, about this fifth commandment, well then maybe think about a parable I would tell you about the least of these. Those with less natural respect, those with heavier burdens. And if you want to know whether a person is a follower of mine, track them and see how do they interact with those who are less than. Oh my. Our family of faith ought be the kind of place that every older person would say, why in the world would I not be a part of that? Have you seen how they treat those of us who have moved past our careers? 
children would say, of course, why would I not be a part of this family? They, they think so highly, treat us so well. The impoverished would say, the, you know, the very best place would be the Cosdale Seventh-day Adventist Church. You know why? I mean, have you seen how we are treated there? We are lifted and elevated and we are equals and we are fellow followers of this Jesus and it teaches us to honor and respect as well. So it makes tons of sense that Paul would write in Galatians chapter six, you wanna fulfill the law of Christ? Well, carry one another's burdens. It's about weight distribution. And if you have authority, if you have credibility, if you have somebody looking up to you, that is meant to be spent on those with less weight. If you have a burden-free life, week, day, or month, that is meant to be spent walking alongside somebody with heavy things to carry and putting your shoulder up under it alongside them. And Jesus would say it, yeah, some of you have one talent's worth, one weightiness where another has two, another has five, but that's not the competition. The competition is about giving respect and honor away. And so it might not surprise us that as we get to the end of Jesus' life, Jesus is up to some pretty important things in John 19. He's saving the world. Not only is he saving the world, but he is being tortured while he saves the world. And in these last few moments, before he will say, Lord God, this salvation plan, it is finished. Before he will do that, he will look down. This is so Jesus. From where Jesus is, he looks down and he lifts up. Aren't you so glad of that? Because I don't care what your posture is. I don't care what, what MD, PhD, I don't care what CEO, I don't, it just doesn't matter what you've got by your name. You are down here with respect to Jesus. But Jesus never treats us that way. And he calls us to be his body. As we have any platform that would ever be a differential to look down, it is for the purpose of lifting up. And as Jesus looks down from the cross, he sees his own mother. Do you remember it? And you know, he could have said something. He could have said, you know, mom, I realize you got some issues going on right now as you're experiencing all of this, but I'm a little bit busy. I got a whole thing going on with salvation right now and I'd love to get you on this. Trust me, this is gonna be good for you too, so just, uh, just hang in. He could have said, you're a little self-absorbed if you're thinking about yourself in this moment. Can you imagine the pain I'm in? It's not Jesus. Jesus amidst everything he is doing sees you, sees me. And the gap, the natural, downward, condescending glance, Jesus, Jesus repeatedly comes down to us and lifts us up. And in this moment, he sees his mother and he knows in the culture he is in, it's not like a Mother's Day card culture that we have here. It is a situation she will be discarded. And in that moment, he pauses, he pushes the pause button on the plan of salvation to take care of his mother. 
You'll see the one who's writing these words sometime later down there by his mother as they're distraught, uncomfortable, concerned about him. And he demonstrates that no matter what is going on in your life, you can always be concerned about somebody else than yourself. He says, dear woman, mom, he's going to be your son now. And John would write, from that time on, this disciple took her into his house. Because respect, it's not, it's not just about your birth mother, your birth father. It's not just about children obeying those who are over them. This is a way of life that we see the needs of the other and every moment that we have anything to leverage for their good, we walk in the footsteps of Jesus. No matter how busy your day is, no matter what you've got going on your personal cross, it's never too much to see the one who is less. And I'm gonna say it to you this way too. You may think of yourself as the person with the least and God says, ah, not if you're a follower of mine, you have something someone needs. And it will multiply if you would just give it away. Look around, know the world. You will worship me best with honor and glory. You will live with others best with honor and respect. You have heard me say it, honor your father and your mother. I say live fully, live respect. Father, we don't even understand why you choose to honor us in the ways you do. Probably everyone here has felt it. Someone who has honored us when we didn't even fully deserve it or maybe least deserved it. We think of our own mothers and our own fathers, but not all of those individuals have treated others well. We hear your voice and your claim on our lives, giving us grace and forgiveness for the days we have built up a religion and spirituality that was self-serving and not honoring to you or our fellow man. We thank you for that forgiveness and we hear your challenge that today and this week, we will spend ourselves on giving some of the weight of our own credibility away toward others and standing up for the least of these and noticing those under the greatest weight and volunteering to take some on ourselves. In this, Lord God, in that it allows us to walk in your steps and to be your body, we are so blown away So we pledge, we pledge lives of respect this week. In Jesus we pray, amen.